where nobody knows your name is recorded in front of nobody. Hello and welcome to Where Nobody Knows Your Name, a Cheers podcast. I'm John. And I'm James. Oh, James, I am excited. Do you know why? It's your first official Bar Wars. <laughs> After 10 seasons, this is my first official Bar Wars episode that I'm talking about. The way that we uh, sort of rostered our episodes with both Barry and Troy has meant over the past six seasons, I have not seen a Bar Wars. Well, I've, I've been watching them, but I've not discussed one. And uh, it's the final one, apparently. <laughs> the final judgment. Yes. We'll, we'll see if it's the final one, James. We'll I've see. Looked, I've looked at the hosting roaster. October 31st, 1991. A spooky date. It's a very spooky date. It's, it's Halloween itself. It is. This episode was directed by James Burroughs and written by Ken Levine and David Isaacs. Friend of the show, Ken Levine there. Yeah. Uh, always with the Bar Wars, these two. Bring them in. Might have Bar Wars. Let them go. It's a quick fact for you, James. Yes. Of all the Bar Wars episodes, mm-hmm. this is Ken Levine's favourite. Oh, that is a nice fact. That's a little fact for you there. As, as he posted on his blog. Very good. Hollywood and Levine. Yep. So this is this is how we know this is going to be a good one. Did we say the name of this episode? Bar Wars 5, The Final Judgment. Bar Wars V. Bar Wars V. <laughs> the cold open, very much related to the episode as a whole. We kick off with Woody discussing Halloween, which I feel like we don't have enough Halloween episodes of Cheers. This, I think, is just the second one. There's been a few spooky ones. Yeah, the only... Any episode with Andy, Andy's a bit of a spooky one. Um, <laughs> I can remember Fairy Tales Can Come True, I believe that's what it's called. Yeah. Which that feels like a, a hot minute ago. Yes. <laughs> yes. But yeah, no, there's certainly been scary moments, like when Rebecca ripped off her face and she was Al. Uh, yeah, that was quite scary. That was, yeah. When that's no- probably the scariest Cheers has got. When Norm pushed himself down an elevator shaft. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> All quite scary moments. But I tell you what, James, what could be scarier than an old bloody thumb? Oh, uh, monkey's paw. <laughs> we'll get on to the monkey's paw later, James. <laughs> we'll get through the cold open first, at yeah. least. Woody is celebrating Halloween in a family tradition, which is the old bloody thumb, which is a decoy thumb, which he'll sort of pretend he's chopped his thumb off whilst mm-hmm. he's cutting some lime, which is it's an old boy tradition. Uh, you just leave it somewhere and someone goes, ah, I want some... Cut one of my digits, forgotten which one. I believe it was a thumb. And I was in, this was back when I was in a shared house and uh, didn't cut it off, just sliced some of the skin. Uh, and I was uh, I was chopping things for vegetables or something and slipped and uh, cut my thumb and just, just sighed. Uh, went to one of my housemates, went, Ben, could you come in here for a moment? Then uh, went over to the sink and went, could you cut those for me? And he went, yeah, sure. And then uh, maybe 20 seconds of rhythmic slow chopping went past and then he went why am i doing this one oh because i'm bleeding ben yes yes and it was such a razor niles <laughs> interaction uh, and that's why james is missing a digit to this day no no i've still got them all they've just got the scars it's like well, jaws <laughs> rebecca seems about as impressed as ben was with you because uh, she's not really she's not impressed with woody's bloody thumb trick she kind of says i don't want to hear about this and he says it works he's going to use it on gary's old town gang but he's going to trick mr peterson first and he puts it in norm's beer uh, norm is more disgusted than uh, scared <laughs> Yeah, he, he goes, ah, that's just a bit gross, really, isn't it? And then Rebecca pours him a new pint, goes, thanks, Rebecca, and then turns to Woody, picks up the, the, the pint with the thumb in, and goes, 
thanks to Woody. Isn't isn't there a bar in Canada somewhere where they serve a mummified thumb inside a drink? I think it's a big toe in a shot. Yeah, that sounds more like it, yes. I'm typing in big toe shot now. The sour toe cocktail, a shot of whiskey. With a toe in it. With a, with a toe in it. Yep. I think people donate their toes to that bar now. Interesting. Would you donate your toe for science? Which one? Mixology. No, no, no. Which toe? <laughs> the big one. The big one. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah, go on. I My toenails grow quite quickly, so that could be worth investigating. Don't Because don't nails keep growing after death? I've heard that. No, that's that's just the, the, the being gets smaller, but the nails stay the same. Ah. I'm glad we're keeping it a bit spooky. Yeah. <laughs> As we continue this into the main episode, it is, of course, Halloween, and the gang are sort of celebrating in the way which feels like a tradition, which is they're going to get one upon Gary's old town tavern gang. Yes. That's that's the aim of this episode. Well, firstly, they're talking about how they, they're checking the rooms in Cheers to make sure Gary's not set up any traps. Uh, Norm's going to exclusively use the bathrooms at Malville's today to avoid any hijinks. But they're also talking about how they're going to one-up Gary this year. Very true, yeah. Um, I don't know if John Allen Hill will tolerate the tomfoolery. (laughs) (laughs) Hill's not made an occurrence this series, and he doesn't in this episode. Hopefully he will soon. Keen Curtis, where are you? It's a (laughs) Scooby-Doo. You ever played any pranks for Halloween? Um... Have I ever played any pranks for Halloween? I don't think I have, actually. I think it might just be something like you have a small fake spider and you throw that. Um, but perhaps you could create some kind of lever mechanism. So when you open a pulley, that's the word I'm looking for, pulley mechanism. So like when you open a door, the spider falls down. Hmm? Who's, who's Scooby-Doo now? <laughs> Am I Scooby-Doo? Yeah, that's like a Scooby-Doo villain trap. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the gang have more sort of uh, simple ideas. Carla is adamant that they're going to pull off a big trick this year. Mm-hmm. And Sam says that uh, maybe they could order a, a load of Chinese food to Gary's bar. And it'll be the food that no one likes. Yeah. yeah, and they'll have to pay for it. It's not. It's not the best idea. People normally do that with pizza in in movies. I think. Again, I'm like, oh, pizza. All right. I was wondering what I'll have for dinner. Thank you. If if ten pizzas came to me, I would be confused. I'd be, I'd be confused, and I would I would I would think um, I'm not going to eat all this. If loads of Chinese food came, you'd give it a go. <laughs> I'd give it a go. I think I'd go. Oh, it's a buffet on wheels, straight to my door. Well, Chinese food you could also um, make into like stir fries, and I feel like it, I feel like that would be a blessing. Yeah. If you were at a, a bar and suddenly a, a huge order of Chinese food came, that'd be one of the best experiences in a bar I've ever been. I uh, once took Chinese food into uh, cinema to watch The Return of the King. Uh, uh, you're, you're disgusting. Oh, no. People shouldn't eat in the cinema. Not even popcorn I won't tolerate. Bruce knows we didn't like me eating this quickly, but I was like, what I want to do is try to eat all of this before the <laughs> before the trailer's finished. What were you eating in the cinema? I think it was like spare ribs and rice. You James know. cracking out some ribs during, during <laughs> Lord of the Rings. <laughs> <laughs> what about his legs? He doesn't need those. <laughs> James there looking like Gollum eating a raw fish at the back of the cinema. <laughs> no, no, not a raw fish. Um, but Meat's back on the menu, boys. <laughs> it was almost exactly like that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh. But I I agree with you. The cinema, I like to be a, a isolated place. So no excessive um, uh, sights, phone lights. No, not that. 
um, but also sounds, you know. I don't mind people reacting to something, you know. That's often involuntary. And I know I chew loudly, but this is why when I go to the cinema, I get food early and demolish it before the film starts. When James left that cinema, there was just cascades of uh, little pieces of little seaweed. Old bones all over. Bones, old bones on the floor. <laughs> we went to see The Godfather once. Some guy came in with a with sandwich and a bottle of lemonade or something. He, he, he ate a meal deal and then left. <laughs> it was bizarre. Yeah. yeah. Strange behaviour. Talking of strange behaviour, James. Yeah. Old Phil's put some spooky music on the jukebox, very loud. Yep, this is after uh, Woody's uh, brought in a large pumpkin. Woody's pumpkin antics is a a highlight of this episode. Yes. Yep, it's a gnarly pumpkin. It's it's pretty big, but he wants to submit it to a carving competition. And Rebecca kind of laments over her past because she didn't get to celebrate Halloween when she was a child and all the other kids got to take her candy instead. Yeah, she talks about how she moved around a lot, so yeah. her parents never trusted the neighbourhood, so she'd stay home and hand out candy to the other kids. And it's very like a deep-rooted sort of... Resentment? I was going to say trauma. It's not, not trauma, Wistfulness. but it's like a, a, a missed childhood memory. Yeah. Similarly, Lilith is concerned about Freddy going out on Halloween, but uh, Frasier is excited. Yeah, Frasier bursts in through the door with some very exciting news. Yep, found a Spider-Man costume. He got the last Spider-Man costume. You ever dressed up as Spider-Man, James? Probably. I, I, I want to say probably because I think Spider-Man 2 was the first superhero film I ever saw at the cinema. You never know. You might have been Doc Ock for Halloween. <laughs> I don't think so. Um, but no, I think I have dressed up as Spider-Man at some point. Have you <laughs> ever dressed up as Spider-Man? Yeah, but I think I think most people have. I think that that's the weird thing about this reference is it feels very timeless. Spider- 30 years ago, this came out. Yes. More than 30 years 32 ago. 32 years ago. I think still Spider-Man is probably a very popular, well, pro- yeah, definitely is still a very popular costume. Yeah. But the version they're basing it off, would it, was there a TV show in the 70s? Yes, there was a TV show in the 70s. Yeah. I, mem- <laughs> I said that like I was there. Um, <laughs> I remember the actor who played Peter Parker. I remember what he looks like now. Yeah. But yeah, so Lilith's not too impressed. Frasier's got, like, silly string. He sprays her, sees her face, almost instantly goes, uh-oh, and sprays himself to yep. sort of neutralise the tension. The music, James, we've got... <laughs> There's a lot Here going on go. in this episode. It's Let's say you some... know it's some seasoned writers of Ken Levine and David Isaacs. Uh, clever. We're two minutes into the episode, but so much has already happened. Uh, every character has their part to play. I like what you did. They're seasoned writers, you know? <laughs> it wasn't It wasn't, wasn't on purpose, but yeah, I'll, sure. I'll take it. The music is playing, James, and Phil's a bit sort of bemused. It wasn't what he was expecting. It's not Funky some, Town. <laughs> some spooky music. It's not Funky Town, and neither is it Monster Man. No, it's not. Do you know who was disappointed when they saw it again? You. Ken Levine. In his blog when he said it was his favourite episode, Bar Wars episode he wrote, he also said when the show originally aired, uh, the song that was playing on the jukebox was the Monster Mash, and said, I guess Paramount didn't want to pay for the rights for syndication. Yeah, quite possibly. And it's not nearly as funny. I was working in the lab late one night. James, we can't afford that. We can't afford that. <laughs> <laughs> We gotta do the vampire twist. We're so- we're sorry, Paramount. <laughs> there was no monster measure, there never was. <laughs> monster mash? No idea. I never heard of that. No. Nope. This was the vampire twist, which is coming out of and I, I I've thought of these words carefully. Yes. Every orifice of the bar. <laughs> You've thought of those words 
carefully. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I think that's a fair statement. Uh, yes. <laughs> I was going to say every nook and cranny. No, 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 no. Every, every orifice. <laughs> Of the bar. Of the bar, yeah. It's playing the, the vampire twist. Uh, it's coming out the phone. Mysteriously coming out of the seltzer tap. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's good, yeah. Every, every, all of them. All of them, yeah. Somehow Gary has got one up on the bar and they didn't even realise it because he's done this. It's his first prank of the of the season, the Halloween season. Yes, and the televisual season. The gang all sort of are like, turn it off, turn it off. And Gary comes in quite pleased with himself. I'd like to talk to you for a second. And I'm really, really sorry about this jukebox. That was the vintage one, wasn't it? Here, um, oh, I feel awful. Let me make it up to you. You're good. Yes, I know. Here, I'd like to give you a blank check. Whatever the damage is, just write it in. And I'd also like to call off all the pranks for tonight. What's going on here? Well, I went to my doctor today. He says I have abnormally high blood pressure. I'm 225 over 90. Yeah, he also said if I don't start taking it easy soon, I could end up a lot worse. So you see, that's why we got to call off everything for tonight. So this is not one of your pranks? No, 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 Sam. I'm on the level here, okay? I'm really sorry about everything, guys. A round of beers on me, okay? Just add it to the check, Sam. Whoa, what are you talking about? Hey, come on, listen. Your health's a lot more important than a bunch of silly pranks. Wow. You're really a great guy, Sam. I gotta go. My wife's waiting in the car for me. She's gonna take me home. Oh, are we going after him tonight? <laughs> He offers to pay for the repairs. He offers to pay for a round of drinks. He gives a blank check, a lot of trust. Mm -hmm. But he also says to Sam that he's had some bad news and he's got a problem with his blood pressure. Yes. And says to Sam, we're going to need to cool off the hijinks that we normally do because I'm not sure if I can take it anymore. Doctor says, no, no hijinks for you. And in the moment... Sam says, you know, your health's more important than anything else. Don't worry about the the joke. Rips up the check and says, you know, you take care of yourself. You're, yeah, he says, your health's more important than a bunch of silly pranks. And Gary says, you're a great guy, Sam. And he says, my wife's waiting for me in the car. He goes off. And then as soon as Gary's gone, Sam's like, we're going to get that guy. He rejoices because he thinks that, wow, Gary's clearly not going to prank me this year. I'm going to prank that guy with the high blood pressure and the doctor's orders of avoiding hijinks. That's the guy I'm going to prank. They've got quite a good prank, mm -hmm. but also I don't know how they do the prank. Their prank is a, a three-dimensional translucent image of a ghoulish apparition in Gary's bar, which is Carla's floating head. It's a series of projectors, maybe lasers. It's not projecting, it's not projecting onto anything. Is it an upwards projecting? There's no, there's no. It was, is it like, is it like what ABBA do? <laughs> what ABBA's uh, trailblazing tech, which they're avatars. Yeah, the avatars, yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the, the Cheers gang had access to that in 1991. Ah, uh, they got a physics team in. But anyway, it's pretty spooky. Yeah. Big old Carla heads floating there. It's, yeah, it's, it's unseemly. Um, very large head. And they go to inspect it. The gang goes to Gary's to, uh, to have a look at it. And they go, oh, mm, it's definitely something. And Sam trips over something, doesn't he, John? Yes, a body. A body. Oh, dear. Yeah, I can't wait for Gary to see this. He's going to really freak out. <laughs> oh, here he is now. 
<laughs> so scared he passed out. Gee, I wonder what we should do. Well, I think the responsible thing to do would be to bring him to and then uh, run. <laughs> hey, guys. What if that blood pressure stuff was true? I mean, that could be dangerous. Oh, come on, give me a break. He was faking. He's probably faking now. Come on, Gary, get up. I don't think he can, Sam. I don't feel a pulse. Oh, come on, you gotta be kidding. No, Sam. Gary's dead. Gary's dead. Cue dramatic music. Nobody tried to resuscitate him. That's the last thing. I mean, if he's... Yeah, I was gonna say... Having done my first day training... I was gonna say, but how dead is he? Dead as a doornail. You set me up for some more yeah, yeah. Charles Dickens there. Gary was dead to begin with. There's more Gary than the grave to him, I'd Th- say. There's, there's more of Gary than of grave about you. But yeah, we go to the ad break, and we come back, and the next morning, people are mourning. Yeah, uh, Gary is dead. You know the stages of the, the stages of grief. Yeah, denial. Sam skips them all. He just goes straight to denial. Denial's the first one. Yeah. Straight in on denial. He doesn't really get past that though, because he's in denial for much of the rest of the episode. I'd say he's he doesn't quite know what to think. He thinks it's a joke. Yeah, he said I'll believe it when he's in the ground, and then they go funerals today. There's some great like jump cut moments through this episode as well, and one of them is that transition from bar to sort of funeral house. Mm-hmm. There's a mounting amount of evidence that suggests that Gary is dead. And like yes. you say, the first one is the funerals today. The register of his burial was signed by the clergyman, the clerk, the undertaker, and the chief mourner. That's another quote from uh, Christmas Carol for you. But it's relevant. But um, we do see the funeral house later, but Woody has lost the pumpkin carving contest to some kid with asymmetric features. And he seems very upset about this. Yeah, he describes quite a sort of strange-looking face and then reveals that's the face of the, the kid and then goes, you should have seen this pumpkin. Saw so, so a loser, maybe, I'd say. I think he is. I think we learned that with his notes about Lee Bradkin the other week. <laughs> <laughs> Matt, the bartender from Gary's, comes by to give Sam, oh, who's still very adamant that the whole thing is a prank, uh, the bowling trophy. And is this the, the bowling trophy from, from Beer to Eternity? One would assume. Which... Uh, that was that was Gary's first appearance, right? Yes. But that sort of callback to From Beer to Eternity sort of gives a, a weight to the length of time this character's lived with the show, you know? Yes. Yeah, she had season four, I want to say, was Beer to Eternity. I think it must have been, because it was had Woody Harrelson in. Yes, yeah. Matt tells Sam how touched Gary was by Sam's expression of care towards him, which is nice, but they're laying the they're laying the guilt on Sam, but Sam doesn't feel it yet. No, no. I, I, there's a um, so there's a scene in this episode which is obviously not miss, missing, but like we didn't see what happened. <laughs> they found Gary dead. Yeah. They just hide the projection of Carla and like leave the bar. Uh, presumably. Did they cover up a murder? Um, we'll get on to it because certain things are said in the episode where there are questions as to who knows what. Sam st- still doubts that Gary is dead. Um, Rebecca and Frazier both have strong words with him, as his arrogance is now disrespectful, considering that, that Gary has died, and frankly, that Sam had a part in it. Yeah, and, and also he, he does say something which sort of upsets Matt, the bartender, as well, when he sort of accuses Gary of, of still being alive, and I think Matt says that Sam's, like, sick for doing so. We go to the funeral house, which is in Gary's. Sam doesn't even think that Gary is in the coffin. Uh, so he uh, he opens it to check. He opens it up, yeah. 
and then assumes that Gary's going to spring out and surprise him. Yeah, this is where Matt, the bartender, sort of confronts Sam. Okay, so he's in there. <laughs> Still think it's a trick. If he wants to stay in there and suffocate, fine with me, it's his funeral. Oh. Sam, we'd like you to be a pallbearer. Well, why me? I mean, Gary hated me. It's a shame you never knew how much he thought of you, Sam. You thrived on your competition. You brought him life. Then you took it away. I don't want to be a pallbearer. Sam, it's the least you could do. You know, quite a quite a big honour. And Sam says, you know, that Gary hated him. And this is where we sort of get this idea of, you know, kind of the two, two entities fueling each other, you know? Sometimes... It's like Tom and Jerry. Uh, They're both really good friends. They've got a, what's the word? Symbiotic, a symbiotic relationship, would you say? Yeah, I think they live off each other's rivalry. And that is why Sam is asked to be the pallbearer. But even as he's carrying Gary's coffin, he's still sort of accusing him of of being alive and saying, the coffin's going to open up and he's going to reach out and grab my hands. It's not going down particularly well. And it's kind of showing Sam up a bit to be kind of, he's very much quite deep in that stage of denial still. We got to then the cemetery. So really only Sam there and he's looking at the ground and he thinks he can hear Gary laughing and it's very Edgar Allan Poe. It's, yeah, it's, uh, we see Sam sort of alone in a graveyard, sort of still in that stage of denial saying he's going to crawl up out of the ground any minute now. A little bit of Poe with the idea that he can sort of hear the, the telltale heart under the ground of Gary laughing yes, and that sense of guilt around it. And Frazier says, I don't think he's coming out, Sam. And then Sam says, I'm going to dig him out. Uh, yes, but luckily, we don't. That, we don't that, that becomes far. a bit uh, grave robbery-ish. <laughs> Before we get on to, because they do take Sam back to choose. Before we go on to that, let's talk about Freddy's story. Freddy's got a lovely story, very much in stark contrast to Sam's story. Yeah, we thought we could lighten <laughs> the mood a bit. <laughs> Freddy has a lovely Halloween. Sam suggests earlier in the episode to Fraser and Lilith, if you don't want him going door to door begging for sweets from strangers, why not bring him to the bar? We'll all give him some sweets and I'll have a nice time and he can have a, a nice time as a family. Rebecca's not keen on this, how she used to hand out candy. She doesn't want to serve on Halloween. Uh, and she's telling Norm this, and Norm goes, oh, can you pass the, the barnets? Which she does and realises she'll be serving people all through Halloween because she's working in a bar. Yeah. But she's kind of adamant she's not going to give candy to Freddy. It's like, it's like giving candy to a baby. The cranes come in and they are dressed suitably for Halloween, I think you'd say. Uh, yeah, they've got uh, just in not gothic attire, but... They're just as the Rossettis, aren't they? Yeah, which I, I I didn't know who the Rossettis were, but Cliff has a good idea because he's... Knowledgeable. He, well, I was going to say slightly perverse. Oh. He actively seeks out nude paintings. Yep, yep, yep. The, uh, you seem cool with that. You seem cool with that, James. I just, I don't really know how much we can dwell on. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it happened and uh, I... I, I I appreciate his his knowledge of of the Rossettis. It's cultured, but yeah, if he's just going to the library to look at um, paintings of nude, it's a question of what art is, because there's a lot of paintings of a lot of nude paintings which are considered classics. But I guess it's a bit different if you start making a collection of them specifically because they're naked. See, this was the this was the anecdote I wanted from you there, Jim. Some recognition of Cliff's weird thing he said this episode. <laughs> I was going, no, John, we'll move on. What I was going to say is that Christina Rossetti, poet, the poem uh, Let Me Go um, was used at my grandfather's funeral. So it's quite, well, personally fitting that it's used for a funeral episode in this too. 
see that's a nice thing to say <laughs> which i was trying to go yes john yes cliff did a weird thing anyway but uh, another nice moment in this scene is having seen like a few episodes back on route 666 fraser talking of his relationship with his family it's quite nice to see them as a family unit celebrating halloween yes and he's got Freddie in his arms as he goes around the bar doing a sort of little voice saying uh, trick or treat to bar patrons and he arrives at Rebecca and Rebecca's sort of s- slightly bitter about the situation but gives some uh, gives some candy to Freddie and you know she says to Freddie you, you don't realize how lucky you are that you've got parents that let you do this kind of thing I never got to a very sweet moment yeah. Freddie takes a piece of candy out of his bag and gives it to Rebecca. Then the audience—it's when the audience went, "Oh!" And I did too. <laughs> it was very sweet. Yeah. And then uh, well, he's dressed up as Spider-Man, so he's like a hero. So your but, friendly um, neighbor, your—I was going to say your Freddie neighborhood Spider-Man. Yeah, go for that. That yeah. was good. Yeah. <laughs> Rebecca very much undercuts this sweet moment with a great line, which is, "The kid's got a bag full of Snickers, and all he gives me is a Tootsie Pop." Yeah. What would you? What would your favorite uh, Halloween? Well, I suppose just candy. What would your favourite uh, treat be? I quite like sweets at Halloween. Like a drumstick. Yeah, yeah. You, you, I'm not sure if that will translate to uh, our US audience. It's essentially a, a chewable sweet. <laughs> it's a chewable sweet, but the the more that you, you uh, chew on it, the wetter it gets, the more malleable it becomes. Well, that, no, you described it and it sounds horrible. <laughs> but yeah, so we get a nice moment within this episode to celebrate some of the nicer parts of Halloween. Yeah, the camaraderie. Yeah, the sweet treats, the sharing of sweets as well. When we come to sort of the end of this episode, Sam's very distraught, I think you'd say, and and he kind of has quite a good monologue where he sort he sort of renounces his childhood ways or childish ways. Yeah, because eventually. Eventually, he uh, does accept that guy is dead. And again, he went denial to acceptance. Yeah, Well, bargaining, maybe. A little bit of bargaining in between. A little bit of bargaining. A little, was there some anger? It was anger, but it was almost... It was like kind of... Um, there, was some, there was sadness, guilt, confusion. Yeah, that was definitely the depression stage. Anger... I think he had anger, but it was more... Anger through denial, like it was. He was angry that uh, Gary was pretending he was dead. Mm. Yeah, but very much in in this vein of guilt, he says, "Oh my God, what if he's really dead?" The thought has occurred to me. <laughs> he's gone. He's really gone. Gary had to go out of his way to prove it to you, but yes, Sam, he's gone. I feel like I lost my best friend. Having Gary around was like the one thing that always seemed to pull us together as a group. Yeah, Gary really brought out the best in us, huh? No, Cliffy, he brought out the worst in us. You will be missed. (laughs) Why, I've done a lot of things that I regret, but I'll never be able to make up for this one. You know, maybe it's time I stopped acting like an overgrown child. I mean, a man is dead because I did not have the maturity to know when to stop. Never thought I'd say this, but I miss Gary. He's a, he's a true friend. That would have made a better eulogy than get out of there, Gary. 
and Woody is very emotional at this point and runs out crying. And do, do you know what I thought was going to happen here? I thought, because we had mentioned earlier that the, the bathrooms could be booby-trapped or something. Yes. I thought there was going to be like a sentimental little trap which caught Woody and that would sort of be the sort of... End of the episode. That's the end of the episode, sort of. Yeah, and they laugh. Oh, how we laughed. But that doesn't happen. Sam goes into the bathroom stall and brings Woody out, who's yeah. still sort of in tears, crying. And this is where we get quite a, quite a crazy reveal, I guess you'd say. Whoa, his, his blonde hair is ripped off. <laughs> Woody's done an old switcheroo with Gary, who's now dressed in the same suit as Woody, and reveals himself to Sam in a quite a menacing way. You know what would have been a very avant-garde ending. It would have been almost Mulhall and Drive type, as if uh, the guy which revealed is Joel Polis. It's the other Gary. <laughs> there were two all along? Is that yeah. what you want to go for? Yeah, yeah. And they were like, oh, Gary's alive! Because I can't <laughs> figure out how Gary got out of the coffin. <laughs> uh, what could, uh, what, what uh, we can all assume is that Gary was buried alive. And then somehow... Well, you know, maybe there was a fake body. Ah. Well, that could also be true. But yeah, he screams trick or treat and uh, Sam is taken aback. He says, you were all in on this. And Norm quite wittily says the whole city of Boston was in on this one, which I think they would have to be to secure a grave plot, <laughs> to, to host a funeral that people attend. I think there were like eight pallbearers. Yep. Short notice. Yep. Yep. And this is where Carla reveals... You know, I said that we wanted to be the winning end of a great scam. That was a clue, Sammy. <laughs> yeah, that was obviously a clue, wasn't it? <laughs> and that is kind of how this episode ends. But there was one last trick that Sam tries to play, which is as Gary's leaving the bar, Sam grabs the bloody thumb and sort of chases him out, shouting, the bloody thumb, the bloody thumb. Yep, and Sam uh, ventures out into the Boston night, chasing, uh, chasing Gary and perhaps the whole city of Boston. Uh, and we can, shall we... Do that now? Yeah, we'll give the, some of the players of this yeah. episode. Robert Desiderio as Gary. Rick Kramer as Matt. He also appeared in Nuts Landing, Jag, Home Improvement, G.I. Jane, Babylon 5, Beyond Belief, Fact or Fiction, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, Baywatch, Diagnosis Murder, Third Rock from the Sun, Soldiers of Fortune Incorporated, Walker, Texas Ranger, The X-Files, Spin City, Rat Race, Charmed, The West Wing, Monk, The Young and the Restless, ER, Live Free or Die Hard, Resident Evil Extinction, Transformers, Revenge of the Fallen, CSI, True Blood, Criminal Minds, Counterpart, American Woman, Mayans MC, and many more. Paul Wilson as Paul Craypence, Philip Perlman as Phil, Chris Graves and Kevin Graves as Frederick Crane, Joyce Agu, Susan Advance, Joe Bauman, Don Bennett are uncredited as bar patrons. And they were all in on it. They were all in on it. Yeah. What a ruse, what a trick. Yes. And I would have gotten away with it too. <laughs> <laughs> it was quite the, uh, quite the Scooby-Doo ending, actually, with yes. the, the old mask peel. I think for this, this is the most Halloween discussion we've ever had <laughs> well this is a halloween episode it is a halloween spit delayed gentlemen sorry about that but we have but we have some specials for you you know to keep you in the uh, the spirits at the time no i don't want to see them no you t you t you take those raphaelite paintings elsewhere cliff filth <laughs> But as usual, before we open our letters, we have to give a shout out to our norms on Patreon. So this goes out to Treb Curry. If you want that special norm treatment, then check out our Patreon page for that and so much more. When Sam's talking about his elaborate tricks in this episode, James, he mentions some spooky weapons for Halloween trick-or-treating. What weapons does he propose to use on Gary's Old Town Tavern? Spooky weapons? 
Um, that's a good question. They're not particularly spooky, I will say. Water balloons, yeah. stink bombs, yeah, uh, fake vomit, um, and whoopee cushions. You got them all, James. What pathetic ideas does Sam have to prank Gary this year? Uh, we, we talked about one of them. There's one other. Order the, the Chinese food. Yeah. Kill him. <laughs> <laughs> that that escalated real quick. Oh, uh, this doesn't count the the floating it, projection. It doesn't. Head. No, it is genuine. Generally, a pathetic idea. Is it the bloody thumb? No, it's a soap his windows. Oh yeah, I didn't quite get what that meant. Does it mean just clean his window bars? It means just lather up his windows. I think. Don't, what a prank! What a prank! Who are, according to Cliff, the pre-Raphaelites? Oh. Uh, How does he describe them? It's not a particularly funny answer. I, I just mean, thought it was interesting. Just, <laughs> just artists and writers. Any any more specifics? Painters? Painters? I'm gonna, no, I'm going to have to give say the answer here. A group of 19th century artists and writers who held an almost childlike submission to nature is uh, what oh. I was looking for. Yeah. Not, not, the, not the worst Cliff. Cliffism. No, it's, I think it's quite good. Quite nice. <laughs> oh, we've got one more letter, James, and it's from our sponsor. Oh, yeah. Tell you what, I love pranks. But do you know what I love more than pranks? Mm, podcasts. Podcasts. You do love podcasts, you scamp. I love a good podcast, and I think everyone can do a podcast and should, because everyone's got something to say. But I tell you what, we use Zencaster when we do our podcast because it's, it's so easy to use. Oh, yeah, very much so. They've got their built-in audio processing, so whenever we're talking, we know we're recording with clarity, ready to go out for people to listen to. But I tell you what, it's so easy to use that we can just focus on cheers. We get to focus on the topic we want to talk about and not worry about all the technical gizmos behind the scenes. It takes care of that for us. So if you want to start your own podcast and, and get your voice out there, why not sign up to Zencaster today? And if you want to get on board, then go to Zencaster.com forward slash pricing and use the code NORM and you'll get 30% off your first month of any Zencaster paid plan. And we want you to have the same easy experiences in podcasting that we have had thus far. And we, uh, we look forward to, as John has said, looking forward to what you have to say about the topics you love. That's last call at the bar, James. And I tell you what, there's, there's a few options here, mm. but I'm going to kick off with suggesting bloody thumb in a pint. Yeah. We could have the old big toe in the glass, the sour toe cocktail. Sour toe cocktail is a good shout, actually. Is that, is that what we're going for then, the, the sour toe cocktail? I think we're going to have to. In honour of the woody boy tradition of the bloody thumb. Yes. It's been an enjoyable Halloween episode. It feels weird that we're doing this in December, but you know, as is the podcast sometimes. <laughs> It happens. The rules of time are ours alone. As we raise our big toe cocktails, feels weird saying it, as we raise our uh, sour toe cocktails, I want to do a toast to the Bar Wars episodes. Yes. This one's called The Final Judgment. Maybe it's not. I'm looking forward to talking about another one later in the future. Maybe that's a spoiler. Is that a spoiler? Uh, There will be more. There will be more. Gary's not done yet. I want to propose this toast to Gary's Old Town Gang. I think they've been a staple of the season. There's actually someone else I want to put in this toast, James. Yes. Also to Ken Levine and David Isaacs for bringing another stellar Bar Wars episode. But there was there was some, I think, undersung heroes of this episode, James. And they are Craig Safan. The musician. The musician. 
for because for in cheers. this episode we get so many little spooky variations mm-hmm. on the the cheers stings mm-hmm. that sort of feel sort of slightly monster mashy, sort of monsters esque at times. For a Halloween episode, he certainly brought his A game to sort of really make this episode sort of pop with some Halloween aesthetics. Big up Craig. But this has been Where Nobody Knows Your Name. We're signing off with a sour toe cocktail. Happy Halloween slash Christmas. Have a spooky Christmas, everyone. Mm-hmm.